Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. As I was thinking about this message, I, I, honestly, I wanted a week off. We're getting ready to go into this five series. I was going to play a promo for you this morning, but we'll wait. And we're getting ready to go into a long season. And I'm getting ready to preach a lot of messages in a row. And I was going to wait uh, or wanted a week off. And so actually thought about asking somebody else to speak this morning. And the Lord really spoke to me and said, no, you need to speak this message because if you don't do it, you won't get to do it until late October. And I feel like this message is for somebody. And so I want to speak to you. I want to talk to you about the pace of provision. We like to talk about provision. Uh, one thing a preacher can do always to get a good amen is to start talking about provision. When I start talking to you about uh, God will bless you and bring finances and all the healing and peace into your life, everybody will shout you down. Uh, you can be in a quiet church, a reserved church, and start talking about provision, and they may never say amen normally. But when you start preaching about provision, people's ears kind of peek up and tune in and and all of a sudden they want to say amen you see we don't say a lot of amens when the preacher gets up and preach like i did a couple weeks ago about gluttony and sloth and anger and lust and greed and envy and pride and all that stuff we don't like to say a whole lot of amens then but we start talking about provision and suddenly quiet people become loud i can guarantee you i can get some amens and so that's particularly true in the American church. Do you understand that the truth is this morning is that uh, American Christianity is obsessed with provision. What you see happen on American Christian television doesn't happen in third world countries because they are not obsessed with provision like we are obsessed with provision. So our obsession as American Christians with provision has produced uh, a brand of prosperity preaching which in reality has become so skewed that it is no longer just manipulation. The truth is, is it's gone past manipulation into downright fraud. That's where most of American prosperity preaching has taken us. They will tell you that if you send in a bunch of coins, you'll get a Cadillac. And if you send in a bunch of bucks, we might get you a BMW. And if you send enough $100 bills, we'll promise you a healing. And if you send in enough moolah, we'll make sure that you get miracles this week. And it is so manipulative and so uh, perverted that that's the brand of provision preaching that we normally hear. And so... That's not what I want to talk about this morning. With, with all of the, the perversion that has taken place in prosperity preaching in America that you are accustomed to and that you can hear just about in any church that you choose to go to, if you hit them on the right Sunday, somebody will tell you, if you put enough money in the plate, we promise you your problems will be solved. And what took you years to get into, we can promise you overnight, if you provide enough finances, we can get you out of that trouble instantly. That's perversion. It's not the truth. And so that's where we are as a, as a body uh, in, in America. But I, I've determined some things about provision and come to a couple conclusions that I feel like I need to share with you as we head into the fall and the need prov for provision in your life and the need of provision in the life of this body. I want to tell you two conclusions that I've come to when it comes to provision. The first is this. In spite of all the perversion that is out there, the first conclusion I want you to hear very clearly this morning is this. I have concluded that God is still a God of provision and God still provides in spite of slick schemes and shady preachers and gullible Christians because that's what most of us have become and in spite of the fact that we've allowed God in our own minds to become nothing more than some cosmic Santa Claus that gives us what we want when we want it and in spite of the fact that we try to work the system the system so that we get what we want the way we want it the color we want it the style we want it in spite of all that I am still convinced and you will never convince me otherwise that God is still faithful God is still a God of provision God still has an abundant supply and he longs for desires wants with all of his heart to share that supply with his people 
The second conclusion that I come to is where I part ways with the name it, claim it crowd and the, the confess it, possess it crowd. And prosperity preachers don't want you to hear this conclusion because it suddenly throws out their message of send in a thousand dollars and I'll guarantee you a miracle. It won't work anymore. The, the, the people who are desperate for provision in their life and the gullible folks that hear that and decide to take part in that don't want to hear this message because we are gullible enough to think that that's how it works and all these things. We can just make a deposit to some television evangelist and suddenly our issues are solved and, and the check's in the mail and the car's coming and the house is coming. We don't want to hear that because this is where our part weighs because the second conclusion that I come to is this. There is a pace of provision. There is a pace of provision. Now, let me stop right here and say this to you. If you've never had any lack in your life, you won't get this message. If you've never had any hurt in your life, you won't understand this message. If all you've known is, is uh, full wallets and, and healthy bank accounts and cars that always run when you turn the key and your kitchen cabinets have always been full and you've never had any lack in your life, you won't get this message. If you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth and you're used to eating caviar for breakfast, you will not get this message. You might get beat up after this message, but you won't get this message message right see I, I i just need to tell you where i come from where i come from is the fact that when i took my first ministry position as a full-time working 24 hours a day seven days a week youth pastor i didn't have a lot of provision in fact i made sixty eight hundred dollars a year and i want to tell you this morning that there were seasons in my life where i didn't know where the next meal was coming from i didn't know how i was going to repair my car i didn't know how i was going to make ends meet and if i'd have had children i wouldn't have known how i was going to feed my children there were days that I was not very satisfied with the pace of provision. All I know is this. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So God, what's the problem? What's the hang up? All I'm asking for is one little calf and I need it by three o'clock. It can be limping. It can have one eye out and have half a tail. I don't care. I just need a calf. But that wasn't the situation. There was a pace to provision. And what I discovered is that, is that there were seasons of my life that I felt totally decaffeinated. Right? I know I'm corny. But the reality this morning is that some of you feel the same way. You look around and you see the provision that God has access to. You see the cattle on the thousand hills and no calf in sight. Oh, there are bills in sight and there's sickness in sight and there's brokenness in sight and there's pain in sight and there's relationships that aren't working that are in sight and there's desperation in sight and there are mortgage payments you don't know how you're going to make and car payments you don't know how to, you're going to make. And you look all around you and all you need is one calf and there's not one to be found. What I've discovered is, is that there is a pace to provision. And you can send all the money you want to some slick-haired, gold-ring-wearing, scam artist who has holy paper and holy water and holy rags and holy oil. And you can throw money at that. And I'm going to tell you, it will not work because there is a pace to God's provision. And we read about that pace found in Genesis chapter 22. I want you to stay with me this morning. Genesis chapter 22, beginning in verse 1, said, After all this, God tested Abraham. And God said, Abraham and yes answered Abraham I'm listening he said take your dear son Isaac whom you love and go to the land of Moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will point out to you and Abraham got up early in the morning and he saddled his donkey and he took two of his young servants and his son Isaac and he had split wood for the burnt offering and he set out for the place God had directed him and on the third day he looked up and saw the place in the distance and Abraham told his two young servants, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I are going over to worship. Then we'll come back to you. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he gave it to Isaac, his son, to carry. And he carried the flint and the knife. The two of them went off together. And Isaac said to, his, to Abraham, his father, his father, father, yes, my son, we have flint and wood, but where's the sheep for burnt offering? And Abraham said, son, go, or Abraham said, Son, God will see to it that there's a sheep for burnt offering. Now, let me stop right here and, and explain to you that although in the original language, Abraham has not called God Jehovah Jireh, which, which actually we say it means God is our provider. But the reality, the, the literal translation is just what he said here. Here's what Jehovah Jireh really means. God will see to it. 
And although in the original language he doesn't call him that, he ascribes to him that, that, that attribute right there without calling him that. That will become important here in a minute. But he says, God will see to it that there's a sheep for the burnt offering. And they kept on walking together. They arrived at the place to which God had directed him. And Abraham built an altar. He laid out the wood. Then he tied up Isaac and laid him on the wood. Abraham reached out and took the knife to kill his son. Just then an angel of God called to him out of heaven. Abraham, Abraham. And here's Abraham's response. Yes, I am listening. And let me stop right here and say this. Too many of us kill things that don't need to be killed because we don't listen. That's free. You don't have to pay for that one. You can write that one down and chew on that one later. A lot of us kill things and relationships and areas of our life that we think we're supposed to kill, but we kill them out of turn because God didn't say kill them. He's trying to stop us. Some of you broken off relationships that God never said to break off. Because you're not listening, you break them off anyway. Some of you need to break off some relationships, don't get me wrong. But some of you have cut off relationships that God had placed in your life, and you're not listening closely enough to understand. He's saying, don't kill it, don't kill it. Then he goes on and he says, don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't touch him. Now I know how fearlessly you fear God. You didn't hesitate to place your son, your dear son, on the altar for me. Abraham looked up. He saw a ram caught by his horns in the thicket. Abraham took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham named that place God Yaira. God sees to it. That's where we get the saying on the mountain of God, he sees to it. Then it goes on and it says, The angel of God spoke from heaven a second time to Abraham and said, I swear God's sure word, because you've gone through with this and have not refused to give me your son, your dear son, your dear, dear son, I will bless you. Oh, how I will bless you. And I will make sure that your children flourish like the stars in the sky, like the sand on the beaches, and your descendants will defeat their enemies. All the nations of earth will find themselves blessed through your descendants because you obey me we know it in the king james as i will bless your seed and i want to take that and talk to you this morning and i want to say this to you very first before we can talk about provision we must first talk about sacrifice that's why prosperity preachers don't like to talk about this passage of scripture and this concept of pace of provision and it's because before you can talk about gaining provision you have to talk about making a sacrifice and I want to say something to you this morning, and that is this. We are called to a journey of sacrifice. It is not a one-day, one-moment, one-time thing. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 22, the first thing it says, it says, after these things, God tested Abraham. After what things? After the fact that God has called him to leave Ur of Chaldees, his home. After God has called him to leave his comfort zone. After God has called him to leave his loved ones. After God has called him to leave his security. After God has called him to leave everything he knows. And then not only that, he's, this is after he split up with Lot, his nephew. There's a broken relationship there. After his experience at Sodom and Gomorrah where he sees his, his nephew's wife turn into a pillar of salt after the the catastrophe of that situation after Ishmael has gone into the wilderness and he never is going to be seen again by Abraham he's disappeared he's lost a son after his wife has been pulled into the harem of a wicked king after these things God tests him excuse me haven't I already passed the test haven't I already gone through so much and proved that I will leave everything I know, that I'll leave a wicked city, that I won't lie to a king? I, I started to lie to a king, but you caused me to catch myself, and I went and told him the truth. After all these things, you want to test me? What I want to say to you this morning is that some of you are right in the middle of an after these things moment. You don't think it can get any worse, and you don't think it can get any harder, and you think you've faced all of hell that you've got to face, and you think you've got to fight, or you've already fought all the obstacles that you are supposed to encounter, and you are exhausted, and you are worn out, and now God says, after these things, I will test you, and you're going, I've already passed the test. But what this speaks to us this morning is this. If you are an after these things moment, it speaks to things. It speaks to the fact that we are on a journey of sacrifice. This is a lifestyle that we are choosing to live. The second thing it teaches us is this: that if we are an after these things moment in our life, it teaches us that God must have a lot of stuff that He wants to bless us with. 
It must mean that God desires to do more in us than what we've experienced in the past. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how tough it is. It may be an after these things moment, but if you hold on, it's a journey of sacrifice. You've got to learn to sacrifice. We've got to learn to sacrifice on a daily basis. We've got to understand something this morning. Sacrifice is not a sacrifice if we don't love it. A lot of us go around talking about the fact that we're making sacrifice when the reality is is that we're just being inconvenienced. Don't talk to me about sacrifice if you didn't love it. It might inconvenience you. It might disrupt your schedule. It might disrupt your agenda. It might disrupt your plans. But if you didn't love it, it's not sacrifice. We want to claim, oh, I'm sacrificing. I had to come and work at the church. Oh, I'm sacrificing. I had to give in the offering. Oh, I'm, I'm sacrificing. I had to go do this, go do That wasn't a sacrifice. It may have been, but most likely it wasn't. It was your coffee money. It was your Krispy Kreme money for Thursday morning. It wasn't, where, it wasn't your next meal. It wasn't your car payment. It wasn't your house payment. It was an inconvenience, but it wasn't a sacrifice. God is calling us to the place where we will give up what we love to get what God has for us. It is a journey of sacrifice. And I want to say this to you this morning. Sacrifice does not begin on the mountain. It culminates on the mountain. It is a journey of sacrifice. This is something you are going to have to do the rest of your Christian life. If you want to be a spiritually mature Christian, you will have to sacrifice. That is the hallmark of true Christianity. Not how many Beamers you drive. Not many high, how many Cadillacs you drive. Not how many big houses you have. The true mark of Christianity is what you've given up. Have the nice cars. Have the nice houses. Have the beautiful clothes. I don't care. I want God to bless you. But what I want to know is what are you giving up? What have you killed lately? What have you given away lately? What have you done away lately? I spoke to you a few months ago about the concept of the daily duties of the priest. Will you please remember that one of the daily duties is sacrifice? They were marked with sacrifice. They They didn't offer daily inconveniences. They made daily sacrifice we should be marked by what we sacrifice we must give up what we love in order to get what god has for us so let me say it to you this morning like this we needed to come we need to come to the place where we love god more than we love our isaacs and i don't know who your isaac is but unless you love god more you will never get what god has for you We've been talking about we want more, we want more. You will never get more as long as you hold on to your Isaacs. Oh, I know it's quiet in here now, huh? We ain't preaching about getting your Cadillac. No, this is the pace of provision. The second thing I want to say to you is this. Your provision is not only dependent on your willingness to sacrifice, your your provision is dependent on your preparation for sacrifice. You hadn't heard that preached. I'm getting ready to preach it right now. Hang on. See, here's the truth. God spoke to Abraham before he ever got to the mountain and said, make preparation for sacrifice. He did, it would have been a lot easier on Abraham and on Isaac for him not to tell Abraham what was going on. Abraham, I just want you to come to the mountain. We're just going to have a get-together. We're going to sit down, drink a little coffee together, get to know one another. So come on over. And then when he gets to the mountain, God says, oh, wait a minute. I forgot to tell you, I'm going to kill your son up here. No, you're going to kill your son up here. So scramble around, run to the dollar store, and get you some rope and some wood and some knife and come back and kill your son. No, 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 no. The Bible says he told him, and he knew for three days. Wrap your mind around that. For three days he knew that he was going to have to kill his son. That means he had to prepare. He had to get the wood together. He got the flint. He got the knife. He had to think about it for three solid days. He had to make preparation for sacrifice. I want to say this to you this morning. Hear me. Some of you are willing to sacrifice. You just won't prepare to sacrifice. Some of you are willing to sacrifice. You just won't prepare to sacrifice. So since you're never prepared for sacrifice, you never actually make the sacrifice. See, here's the truth. 
There are moments like last week when somebody will challenge you impromptu to dig deep and to sacrifice and you respond and you're blessed and God is blessed and everybody's blessed and I want you to continue to be like that. But the truth is this morning is I'm asking you to go deeper than that. I'm asking you to come to the place where you will actually prepare in advance for sacrifice. See, we like to sacrifice on the spur of the moment. That, that's why manipulators come to church. And if they show you, they, they pull on your emotions enough, then, then you respond and you sacrifice. Boy, it's quiet in here this morning. Y'all still with me? I, I'm just telling you the truth this morning. That's why, listen, I love missionaries, and we should respond when they show up. I've got a good friend here this morning. David Thompson's getting ready to go to China on a missionary. Uh, he's going to become a missionary to China, and I'm excited about that. But do you, you, most of you know what happens when missionaries come, right? We hadn't thought about missions all year long. We hadn't given anything to missions all year long. They show up in a service, and they show pictures of starving babies, and all of a sudden they pull on our emotions, and we respond as we should. But let me just tell you there's a deeper way to walk. A deeper way to walk is to take a glance at your world around you and understand that whether anybody shows you pictures or not, there are starving babies and hurt people all around us that we ought to be sacrificing to on a regular basis and making provision for on a regular basis. You can't do that unless you make preparation to sacrifice. See, I want you to respond impromptu, but I would rather you go deeper and understand that that is one way to respond, but there's a more mature way that most of us scoff at, and that is a planned, prepared method of sacrifice where we get here ready. We've laid up everything we need to prepare to give the sacrifice. So I'm calling you to do that. To, to make preparation. What do you need to do to prepare to sacrifice? Do you need to work a second job? Do you need to quit spending? Do you need to downsize? Do you need to get rid of a relation? What do you need to do to make preparation to sacrifice so that once you get here, you actually make the sacrifice? That's what I'm calling you to this morning because I think that's a deeper walk. The third thing I want to say to you this morning is this. Your place of provision may be a distance off. Notice if you go back to the text that Abraham, the Bible says that God said, I'll take you to a mountain. And Abraham looks up and the mountain is three days off. His provision is in the distance. It's way in the future. He caught a glimpse of it, but he wasn't there yet. I want to say to some of you this morning that your provision is out there. It may be a distance off, but your provision is out there. Here's the truth. You've got to keep moving towards your provision. You can't stop. You got to make a journey towards your provision. That we used to sing a song. A special uh, soloist would come by, not here, but other places, and they would sing, uh, "Don't give up on the brink of a miracle." Y'all remember that song? Oh, y'all, some of y'all look like I'm old. I am old. I, I don't know. I remember it. We'd sing that. There's re, there's truth in that. Too many of us give up. We we stop short. Our provision is out there, but we got to continue the journey to get to our provision. Because what I've seen happen is we make, what we don't understand is if we, to get to our provision, we got to make the right choices now, we got to worship now, we got to have faith right now in order to get to our provision, which is out there in the future somewhere. And I can prove that to you out of Abraham's story. The Bible says that he worshiped before he ever had provision. Didn't he? He tells his servants, did you catch it? He said, me and my son are going to go worship and then we're both going to come back. Really? I thought you were instructed to kill him. He didn't know a ram was going to be up there, but he choose, chooses before the provision. He gives God a preview. I don't know what your favorite part of the movie is, but my favorite part of the movie is the previews. You get to see what's coming before it actually gets here. That's what I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to worship before you have reason to worship. The second thing we realize about uh, Abraham is that he has an attitude of faith before provision is ever made. He says God will see to it before God ever saw to it. Before he ever saw the ram, it would have been one thing to walk up on the mountain and say, God will provide. I see the ram in the thicket, mighty man of faith and power. No, he never saw one little piece of wool and he's still saying, God will see to it. And I'm calling you before you ever know that God's going to come through. To come to a place in your life where you understand my provision is out there somewhere. But because I know who he is and I know what he does, I will praise him now. 
My wallet may be empty, but he's still Jehovah Jireh. He will see to it. I will praise him now. The doctor may have said you will die, but I will still praise him now because I know he still heals. I may have chaos in my life right now, but in the distance somewhere, I know that he is still the prince of peace and he will bring peace into my life. I will worship him now. We've got to get there. We've got to continue to move towards our provision. Haven't you met somebody that has a need in their life and they stop right there? They're broke and they can't get past the fact that they're broke. And so they wallow in misery and they wallow in depression and they never make any changes in their life and they never have any faith and they quit worshiping and they quit trusting God. They stop right there. I'm calling you. I don't care if you're broke, busted and disgusted. Get up off your rear and begin to move towards your provision because you can get there. Haven't you met somebody that's been sick? And although they've been in church all their life and heard that God is a healer, they will stop the process and they will stop the journey and they'll sit down and they become depressed about their sickness and they they lose faith and they sit there and they wallow in their sickness for the rest of their life. We must move towards our provision. We got to understand something. As Abraham started up one side of the mountain, even though he knew it was going to be tough, he knew he had to kill his son, even though he knew it was going to be a struggle, even though he knew it was going to be uh, difficult, he continued up that side of the mountain. And while he was going up that side of the mountain, God had his provision coming up the other side of the mountain. And on top of the mountain, his need and God's provision collided. And that's what I'm calling you to this morning. In your need, in your struggle, in your difficult circumstances, continue up the mountain. Don't stop. Keep moving. The fourth thing I would say to you is this. Your provision is often depending or dependent on partnerships. Come here, Tal. Let me show you what we think this story is all about. We Come here, hurry. We think this is the picture of Abraham and Isaac. And I'm Abraham and he's Isaac. And so we walk up the mountain, him not knowing what's going on. And we get up to the mountain. And when it's time for me to offer my son as a sacrifice, because he's about this big, when it's time to put him on the altar, I just, I just headlock him and squeeze him and tie him up so he can't move. He can't resist. I know he would probably try when he saw the knife, but he can't resist. He's not strong enough. Come here, Daddy. Come here. Go sit down. This is the real picture of Abraham and Isaac. I'm not saying my dad is 120. And I'm certainly not 25. But do you understand that at this point in, the, in life that, that most commentaries believe that Isaac was 25? So when Abraham pulls out the knife and says, you're the sheep, buddy, let me tell you what's going to happen. I used to couldn't outrun him, and I used to can't beat him up, but I think I could give it a good shot about right now. When he pulls out the knife, he ain't going to be able to hold me. I'm going to run circles around that old man, right? (laughs) I'm in trouble later. I'm grounded all week long. I know. Thank you. Do you understand what happens? We want to talk about that Abraham is the father of faith, and he's so submit. Oh, it's such an epic story because he submitted to God. Uh -uh, Let me tell you who really submitted. Isaac submitted. Abraham could not have made the sacrifice necessary. His provision was dependent upon whether Isaac would cooperate or not. And I want to tell you this morning, there, there are folks in your life that you need that God is bringing into your life and bringing you into relationship that your provision is wrapped up in that relationship and you better take account and recognize that relationship and that partnership for what it is. God is bringing people into your life and will bring them at the right moment, at the right time, at the right pace. And if you turn your back on that relationship or you don't acknowledge that relationship or enter that relationship, you will disrupt your provision the next thing i want to tell you is this oh we don't like this one the prerequisite for provision is a knife boy it's an incredible story that abraham got the rope together and the wood together isn't it just awesome no who cares he brought wood and a knife that is not what makes It's not even the fact that he tied up Isaac and put him on the altar. That's not what makes this an epic story of faith. You know what makes it an epic story of faith? That he brought his knife. That at that moment when he is 
made all the, the, the necessary arrangements and Isaac is laying on the altar. This is what made it an epic story of faith. I want to tell you this morning that your provision is wrapped up in whether or not you bring the knife. Well, what are you saying, Steve? I, I just don't understand. I don't understand what you mean. What I'm saying to you is this. Some of you feel impressed to give, but you conveniently leave your wallet in the truck. Come on now, I've done it. I'm preaching to me right now. You leave your knife at home. Some of you felt impressed to fast this week, but you conveniently find your way to Sonic and get a milkshake because that's not really eaten. How did I come up with that one? Because I've done it. We can justify anything we want to. Some of you have been called to break off relationships, but you conveniently leave their cell phone number in your cell phone. You conveniently continue to email them. You conveniently hang out together. We leave our knife at home. I want to tell you something. Provision doesn't come until you pull the knife out. There are some things that God says cut off, and unless we cut them off, no provision comes. There are some things in our lives that we've got to do away with. We've got to learn to take out the knife and prepare ourselves to do what he said to do, which was kill him. Stab him in the neck. I said that to the worship team this morning. They thought that was funny. We've got to be ready to drop the knife. See, the disciples didn't get it. The disciples, the Bible says that Jesus called them to be fishers of men. The only one problem, they didn't burn their nets. They forgot the knife part. So the Bible says that when things got tough, guess what they went and did? They went back to fishing. I'm calling some of you to make some cuts. That's what makes the story of Elijah and Elisha so incredible to me that I mentioned to you last week. I want to tell you the reason that Elisha got a double portion wasn't just because he crossed the Jordan. The reason that Elisha got a double portion was because he kissed his ox goodbye. You remember the story. Elijah's walking along. He sees Elijah sla Elisha and slaps him upside his head with his mantle. And Elisha immediately breaks up the plow, builds an altar, and he took out his knife and he kills the oxen and makes a sacrifice, stating, I can never go back and do that again. They're dead. And I want to say to you this morning, the reason some of you don't have any provision in your life is because you left your knife at home. You forgot to kill what God said to kill. You forgot to cut off what God said to cut off. You will never, never get the provision that God has for you until you're willing to go all the way. It requires a knife. The sixth thing I'd say to you this morning is this. A seed of blessing is wrapped up in your provision. The Bible says that God speaks to Abraham and says, because of your faith and because of you trusting me, I will bless your seed for generations to come and your children will be multiplied and your children will be blessed. I want to say something to you this morning. When God brings provision in your life, it's not just for you. If you waste all of that provision on you, if God brings you a financial breakthrough, if God blesses you in a way that is just an incredible, if you waste it all on you and use it all on you, you've missed the point. There is a seed of blessing wrapped up in that miracle, in that provision, so that you can bless others around you for generations to come. That's why I want you to understand this morning, when we move next door and take that children's center, when we invest in our young people, we're doing that because there is a seed of blessing. This is not about me having a cool place to worship and you having a cool place to worship. This is not about me having the lights and you having the light. This is not about that. This is about my sons having a place to worship and your sons and daughters having a place to work. This is about a seed that we're planting for another generation. We can use all the blessing on us, and we waste it. The last thing I'd say to you is this. Provision comes at the right pace. Right place, right time, right amount. If the ram had come too early, there's no faith required. If the ram had come too late, no hope left. But because the ram showed up right on time, it was the provision at the right moment. Everything was all right. I want to say to you this morning, I can't tell you when provision is coming. I can't tell you how much provision is coming. The only thing I know to tell you is that it will show up at the right time, at the right place, and it will be the right amount if you will do the things that I've talked about today. We don't like it like that. 
But the truth is, is that there is provision coming if we prepare for it, if we move towards it, if we partner for it, if we believe for it, if we bring out our knife, and if we will share it. There is the right provision coming at the right time. It will come right when there doesn't seem to be any other way. It will come right when it seems like it's impossible. It will come right when it doesn't look like any answer's coming. It will come right in the nick of time. I don't know why God is the way He is. I just know that God never shows up early and He never shows up late. He just shows up right on time. And some of you are desperate for provision this morning, but if you would make preparation to sacrifice, and if you would get in partnership for sacrifice, and if you would move towards your provision, and you'd take out your knife and be willing to share the blessing, your provision will be in the thicket. It will be stuck there. Or it might be on the hook. Because don't you remember the story in the New Testament when the disciples needed tax money? And Jesus said, Go to the sea, they're by the Sea of Galilee, go to the sea, throw in your hook, and a fish will bite it. And when that, that fish bites it, you can open him up, and there will be one coin that will pay your taxes. That's incredible to me, because on the same sea, Jesus has already helped them catch a multitude of fish. They had so many fish in their nets, their nets begin to break. But none of those fish had coins in it. Why? Because it wasn't the right time, it wasn't the right place, and they didn't need it. But right at the moment that they needed it, one fish, one coin. Hear me this morning. Your need, if you will prepare the way God calls you to prepare, and if you will follow this pace that God will cause you, you'll hold on to hope and keep the faith and don't give up and don't wallow in your sickness and don't wallow in your need. If you will keep moving towards your provision at the right time, in the fullness of time. But I'll go nuts in the meantime. That's all right. Go nuts. I'll freak out. We'll freak out. Just don't go take loans. Don't make stupid decisions. Don't try to finance your miracle on your credit card. Come on now. We, we, we say we are people of faith and then we, we make stupid decisions and thinking God's not going to come through. Well, should I wait until they take my home away from me? No, you should m- move towards provision. You should partnership for provision. You should understand that God is going to bring you provision. And when he does, there's a seat in it to bless somebody else. Right at the right time. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want to tell you this morning. It would be real easy for me to stand up here and say, give $1,000, and when you do, all your troubles are over. Some of you worked for years to get yourself in so much debt, you don't know if you can ever get out, and you want to throw $1,000 at it, and then all of a sudden it's going to be all right. It doesn't work that way. There is a pace to provision. I don't want to diminish your need this morning. Some of you have desperate needs. I don't want to diminish the fact that you responded impromptu when we called for you to to give last week. That is an incredible, like Dr. Carpenter said, I don't want that to ever end. But what I do want you to do is I want you to go deeper than that. And I want you to begin to prepare before you ever get here to sacrifice. If you have need this morning, some of you have sickness in your body or in your family. Some of you have broken relationships that, that you're at wit's end Some of you have desperate financial needs. Desperate. I want want you to hear me. If you don't hear anything else, I say. In spite of the perversion, in spite of the scams, in spite of our lack of intelligence and becoming gullible, let me tell you the truth. God will see to it fill in the blank. What's the it? What's your it? Fill it in. God will see to it. He is and always will be Jehovah Jireh. If you have a need this morning, here's how we're going to do this. Need provision? matter if it's financial, physical, emotional, spiritual. You have a need this morning. Quickly step out and stand right here. Move. I figure we have some college students. I know they have needs.
tell you what I'm talking. Let me just, it's one thing to preach like this and not make it very practical. Let me just make it real practical for you this morning. Some of you need to prepare for provision. Some of you have needs in your own life that scare you. But if you would make plans to sacrifice, God would bless you. For instance, some of you standing out there right now could make a plan to bless one of these college students on a regular basis. Take them to eat, give them some food money, buy some ramen noodles. Whatever it is, you can make a plan. In fact, let me say it to you this morning. Some of the folks standing up here, not just the college students, some of the adults standing up here, some of the partners they need for provision are standing out back there right now. You can be their partner in faith. You can be their partner in prayer. You might even be the answer to the provision. If you'll make plans, we're going to pray. We're going to cooperate. Man, I don't want lack. I want God to do what he said he would do to bless. If you have experienced God's provision in your life in any way, shape, or form, faith ought to be rising up in you right now because you already know that God will see to it. If that's you, I want you to quickly move out and find somebody. Get behind these folks that have moved forward. Get your hands on them right now. We're going to pray. partnering with them for provision this morning. You are partnering with them for provision this morning. Those of you that came up for prayer, listen to me very carefully. He is still Jehovah Jireh. Hear me this morning. He is still Jehovah Jireh. No need is too small and no need is too great. You fill in the it this morning as we pray. He's going to do it. Come on, get your face started. Father, right now we pray for every individual that came forward this morning. God, we believe right now that you own all the cattle on a thousand hills that what concerns us concerns you. You are mindful of us. You have rams and provision and fish and everything that we need all locked up in our willingness to sacrifice, to make preparations to sacrifice and the partnerships that we are entering in for, for provision. God, you have called us. to. The, God, I pray that you'd speed the pace up. Speed the pace up right now. Speed the pace up right now. God, right where that need is, speed the pace up right now. Oh, God, I pray speed that pace up right now Father I pray where there's desperation you'd bring provision where there's healing right now that needs to take place God that in the name of Jesus right now you would make a way where there seems to be no way right now Father we are believing you for a supernatural miracle right now God we trust you we know that you are able in fact you are more than able God you say in your word that you can do exceedingly abundantly above everything we've asked or hoped even if we don't know how you're going to do it God we believe you're going to do it even when it takes a miracle we know that you're the God of miracles right now God in our lack right in the middle of our lack we trust you we trust you to come through right at the right moment God we won't we won't get discouraged we won't quit walking we will move towards our provision and we will begin to give you a preview of what we are going to do when you come through not if you come through when you come through so Father this morning I bless you and I call you who you are you're the God who sees to it. Now, Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would begin to speak to people. Speak to this body right now. Cause us to have a heart of preparation. It's not enough for us to just be willing to sacrifice. Help us to prepare in advance to sacrifice. Father, I pray that right now you would help us to partner with one another for provision. We would find people that have need of what we have and we would partner with them. We would cooperate with them and we would provide provision for them. In the 
name of Jesus. Speak to us, oh God. Call us to a lifestyle of sacrifice. And Father, as a body right now, we declare that we will pull out the knife and we will do more than just have good intentions. We will follow through. If you call us to give in an amount on a regular basis that makes no sense to our natural mind, we pull out the knife and we do it. If you call us to cut off relationships, we will do it. If you call us to change where we go and what we do, we will pull out the knife and we will sever that thing in the name of Jesus. It's not faith until we're willing to go all the way. Cause us to be willing to go all the way. In Jesus' name. I want us to do this. You'll notice we did something different this morning that we've never done before. We're starting it this week in prayer. About three weeks ago, we felt impressed to start this on a weekly basis. We believe that we are in partnerships for provision. Amen? And one of the things that God has called us to, we, we felt this in prayer the other day, and we're going to continue to do it until He says to stop. But at the bottom of your little worship program there, it says our prayer connection. And we listed three things. We listed a church, Expressions Community Church, which just planted in this building that we started in. They just started in there. I have no no knowledge about them at all. All I know is they got a banner up on Sunday morning. It says Expressions Community Church. We are going to start praying every Sunday for a church that is within eight miles of us. Ask God to fill them up and let revival start in their midst. The second thing we're going to do is you will notice that there is an apartment complex because we have a heart a heart for people in need. And for whatever reason, not everybody that lives in an apartment is on Skid Row. That's not the case. We understand that. But what I am saying is that a lot of times people in apartments need help. There's an apartment complex two doors down. Boardwalk, boardwalk apartment complex. We're going to begin to pray for an apartment complex within eight miles of us. And the last thing we're going to do is we're going to pray this morning is Hefner Middle School for a school within eight miles of us because I believe that one of the things that God has given us a mandate through our youth ministries and our children's ministries is that passion is going to, is going to invade the lives of the next generation. Amen. We're going to pray over those three areas. And I'm not always going to be the one to pray, but I'm going to start this thing off this morning. We're going to have other people pray, but we're going to begin to close out every service praying for these three things. Well, are you supposed to pray for other churches? Aren't you in competition with them? No. Fill them all up and there's still enough to go around. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Father, this morning I pray from community church. This Expressions Community Church right across the street. Father, we started over there. And look what you've done. You saw to it. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus for that church, Expressions Community Church, as they've begun this new work, I pray that it would explode. And Father, we make a covenant in the spirit realm that you're going to do mighty things in that house and that miracles are going to be commonplace and provision will be abundant and lives will be changed and people will be won into the kingdom because of what you're doing in that place. Father, I pray for, for Boardwalk Apartment Complex this morning. There are desperate, hurting people there. I pray that we wouldn't just have church in these four walls and they'll never know about it. I pray that somebody would come along and that would minister to them and call them into relationship with you. I pray that crime would go down. I pray that domestic violence would go down. I pray that sin would cease and desist in that apartment complex and your peace your peace would overwhelm them and God I pray for Heather Middle School I pray that Father that this would be the best school year that they've ever had I pray that there would be provision in that house I pray that there would be encouragement in that house I pray that learning would go up and distractions would go down I pray that teachers would come to work and see it as a ministry rather than just a job. I pray that the next generation would begin to rise up in righteousness and that you would call them to morality and revival. And God, I pray that a hunger would begin to stir in that school. And whether it's our church or some other church, we'd get inroads into that building and in that environment that young people would be changed in Jesus' name. David, raise your hand. David Thompson, raise your hand. David's going to China, him and his whole family. Getting ready to make plans. They're making plans right now. Getting ready to move as missionaries. David and I were in college together. He was a young buck when I was a senior. I think he was a freshman or something. Yeah, you were there. I was a junior and he was a freshman. He was just a little whippersnapper. Didn't know. No, he was a good guy. 
He's a man of God. He's following the dream that God has placed. We're going to have him back sometime and let him share. But I believe God is sending him there. You may need to help be partners. He doesn't have any pictures of naked baby children running around to pull on your heartstrings, but he has needs. In fact, some of you need God to say to you right now. I know your wallet's in the car, but you might not ought to go get it. God is saying to you, you need to partner with him, and that's cool. But one way we're going to partner is we're going to pray. Come on, get your hands on David right there. Those of you, just turn right around. We're going to believe for souls. Father, I have no doubt. God, I know. I know David's heart. I watched him grow up in you. I've watched him follow the call of God on his life and heart. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, what has been difficult for everybody else would be easy for David. God, I pray that where others have plowed and plowed and plowed, God, I pray that as soon as he walks in, the seed that had been planted there, I pray that he would be the water and he would see the harvest. God, I pray for souls, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands souls would come into his ministry and he may not have them all at the same time it may be a process but God I pray that in his life and in his ministry that you would touch him God I pray for his family I pray for his children that you would protect them I pray that you would put a guard around them I pray that you would guard their minds and their hearts and their spirits and you would raise them up to be mighty men of God God I pray for his wife that you would encourage her and strengthen her in this change in this transition when they're homesick God I pray that you bring partners into their path that can speak peace to them God I pray for provision in every way in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name Amen Pastor Steve are you a prosperity preacher? Absolutely I'm one that carries a knife at the right pace in the right partnerships, in the right way. No quick, quick schemes, get rich quick schemes. It doesn't work that way. At his pace, in his time. Father, bless my people. Bless them so that their seed, that seed that's there, will be shared with others and will praise you. Will praise you. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.